Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. It's a lovely song. I don't know where we got it, but thank you. Thank you, worship team. We appreciate that has been a great theme song. We have enjoyed it at, 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 at home. We just forever keep rotating around that song and praying that God can help us to really appreciate him. Thank you once again, friends, for making it. The church is growing. You notice that? Are you seeing even in the eye of the spirit? Are you seeing people feeling in the empty seats? The church is growing and something happened this last week. If you missed, you missed us greatly. But something happened even in this church. In our family, we know something happened. I don't know about your family, I don't know about your life, but something special has happened and let's just flow with the spirit. Let's allow God to minister to us. Thank you so much. We appreciate your coming. So without much ado then, I would like us to turn to scripture and today we read from 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2 and If you don't mind, I'll prevail on you to stand with your Bible or your neighbor's Bible so that we read together. First Peter chapter 2, we read some uh, few verses from verse 4. But as we read this, please remember, we will endeavor throughout this year to keep Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 to 22 as our theme text, building on what God began with us right at the beginning of the year. Okay. So first Peter chapter two, reading from verse four. The Bible says coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God. And precious you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 6. Therefore it is also contained in the scripture. Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect precious And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to uh, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the world to which they also were appointed. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Shall we pray? Holy Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we want to appreciate you that this far it has been you. Looking at our individual lives, looking at our 
constant families Jehovah God every individual family that is represented here and looking at us as a family of the people of God here at Hosanna father we can't doubt that we have come this far because of you we know what it was like when we were battling the enemy how he showed us our weaknesses how he showed us our 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 limitations how he showed us how that we were not going to make it I know, oh God, at some point, the enemy actually wanted us to close down and go home. Father, but you stood firm. You stood with us. You have been with us. You have sustained this church. As you said, I will build my church. The gates of heads will not prevail against it. Father, we are witnesses that this church is being built together as a dwelling place for God because it is in your desire and is in your plan thank you Jesus thank you for the healings that have taken place here Lord if we have taken this for granted please forgive us but hear it from us oh God as a church we know we were sick at some point oh God we talked about how this family is going through it and that other family is going through it and that other individual is going through it but my father even when the enemy came in like a flood you raised a standard against him and you healed us of all our diseases we want to let you know we are forever grateful eternally grateful Thank you, Jesus. The enemy came into some of our families to try and wreck us away. To try and bring issues, oh God. But Master, you stood with our children. You stood with our spouses. You stood with us as individuals. And my father, we are sustained together as families because it has taken your hand. And we tell you, thank you. We give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. And right now, oh God, as we focus on your word, we want to ask you, use this word one more time to connect us with what you want us to do that we may be built together to become a dwelling, a true dwelling of God by his Holy Spirit. May you minister to us in a very special way as we give ourselves to you because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please be seated. once again please don't be impatient with the word of God with prayer and in the presence of God just allow God to speak to you allow God to minister to you today I would like us to take a little bit of our main theme if you remember our theme for the year being built together to become a dwelling place for God by his Holy Spirit. And we're going back there where we just began before we took a little break and went into a very special moment of revival. And I'm sure God has been ministering and has ministered to us. So today, we look at a call to be built into God's spiritual house. A call to be built into God's spiritual house. In our continuing focus of the year, as I've already mentioned, being built together to become a dwelling place of God, as from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, we would like now to zero in a little bit more on what it takes on this building that God is talking about. Because remember, the last time we said, when we talk about the building of God, we are not talking about the structure that is housing us right here. 
We are talking about you and me as part of the building that God is, is, is establishing for his own glory and for his own purpose. In our earlier study, we had seen that Jesus, after reconciling the world to God through his blood, he embarked on building his church, which he says that the gates of heads will not prevail against the same. And from Ephesians again, chapter 2, verse 19 to 22, we saw that we who were afar off, far from the commonwealth of Israel, we who had no name, we were in the world without God, just in the world. We did not know the right from the, the right hand from the left. But God in his mercy, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, while we were wallowing, and when I talk about wallowing, I remember a, 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 a swine, a pig, if you have ever kept those animals. Very interesting chaps. You bathe them, you clean them. But just make a mistake of putting some mud in the neighborhood. The same animal you've just cleaned and made clean will go in there because it enjoys to wallow in mud. And so we ourselves were wallowing in sin. We never knew ourselves. So while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and reconciled us to himself. He brought us from afar and brought us near by his cross. Therefore, we said, we are no longer strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. And it doesn't matter whether you came from the breed of the Jewry, the Jews, or whether you are from this other side of orientation. So long as, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything has become new. And it is this newness of life that then brings us together into fellow citizens of God among the saints. Whatever color, whatever creed, whatever language. Yesterday we were traveling somewhere with my wife and uh, we, in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the metro, we saw, as we were busy reading our devotion, this guy was reading his Chinese don't know whether to call them Chinese hieroglyphics or what they call, I mean, the, the, the writings of those guys. You look at them and the guy is really seriously reading these things. But you look at them, you don't make any sense out of them. But you know what? If a Chinese is in the Lord, he is a new creation. Even with those difficult things they are struggling to write or to speak, they are members, they are citizens of this family. So we have also been made not just citizens of among the saints, but we also are members of the household of God. We are a part of the family of God. God himself is our father. And you and I, my brothers and my sisters, whether you like it or not, you are my sister. You are my brother. I mean, it's so amazing. Can you imagine... When I talk, I talk some very interesting thing. Habari, mzuri sana. And you come in and you say some of these, uh, uh, I wish I had, had gotten some Italian words. I don't know why they are disappearing when I'm, I want to surprise you with them. But anyway, and you say that and somebody else says something else. 
And then when we come together, it doesn't matter what you are saying. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter your height. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your creed. It doesn't matter where you've come from. We are brothers and sisters in the family of God. And then he finishes by, Paul finishes by saying, in all this, we are being built together to become a dwelling place of God by his Holy Spirit. And therefore, looking at the various analogies used by Christ in establishing his church, we hear things like the body, the body of Christ. And I think it's Paul who really took time and told us, some of us are the hands, others of us are the ear, others of us are the legs, others of us, various parts of the body, but all of us therefore make the body of Christ. Other analogies that have been used is what I've already mentioned, the family. So that we see that even in a family, you have different people and those different people, regardless of how big or how small that family is, none of the family members can be the same. You find this one is either so quickly irritable, you know, the other one is very hyper, the other one is so calm and collected, and all that, but all of them, members of the same family. Incidentally, they came from the the same mother and father, but different, with different characteristics, but members all the same, the family of God's people. Then there is another analogy that is being used called the temple. We are the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the building established on the foundation of the apostles, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The importance, we saw the importance of Building on this very special uh, aspect that the, the, the apostles are at the foundation, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, and you and I are forming part of this building. We are living stones. In fact, it's Peter now, as we turn to Peter, who tells us that you and I are living stones that are being used to build this great foundation. I mean, to build on this great foundation. Therefore, moving further, we see the New Testament using a number of different descriptive images that just try to help us to capture this so that where you fit in, where I fit in, and where all those other brothers and sisters who are in other places of congregation are fitting in becomes very meaningful. It makes a lot of sense. But then... Today, I want us to look at something that Peter introduces. Still building on the same concept of us being built together to become the building of God. And that is emphasizing on this thing that uh, both Paul and Peter are referring to as the building of God. Why are we, why is you and me the building of God? Very interesting indeed. The reason why I want us to look at the building specifically, it is because it looks almost like an anticlimax. Because you know when you talk about family, you see relationships fitting in very well. 
When you talk about uh, members of the body, you also see that fitting in very well. But when you build, you bring in building, and we are talking about now not just this superstructure of mortar and clay and the boards, but you're talking about human beings, you are wondering, are we not losing out on the intimacy and the closeness that we were dealing with as we were talking about families and as, as we were talking about uh, the, the body? The truth of the matter is, actually, the building strengthens that concept a little more. Why? Because if you and I are the bricks or the living stones that are being built together on this building, you will notice that for you to build, to, 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 sorry, to establish a building, you have to put the bricks side by side, close by, cl I mean, closely to each other, and it is that closeness that then ties the building so that it is firm and it is able to be jointly knitted together as a fitly framed union or a unity that God uses to dwell in. So my sisters and my brothers, the building here therefore brings us to that aspect where we see, yes, before this particular time we were all scattered everywhere. We were in the quarry everywhere. But God in his own special way, like we saw last time talking about the vessels, he came right there and digged us from those quarries and hewed us, the rocks that we were, with all our ruggedness and made sure that we were all shaped in a way that we can be able to fit into his building. And therefore, then we were brought into the the the. the, the the, the site where construction is going on so that you and I can be placed juxtapositionally to the other brother, to the other sister, nicely fitting together so that then we become a neatly built unit where God can dwell. And so it is on this concept, my sisters and my brothers, that I would like us to know that God is very interested on every individual piece of the living stone that he's using to build. And I would like to call your attention to Solomon's temple, and you will notice there is something very unique about the temple that Solomon was building. And as we look at the concept of the building, we will identify some few things that help us to really knit together this particular concept. But please bear in mind Solomon's temple because that then will help you in this. You will notice that the instructions that Solomon was given was that no stone was to be carved on the site of the construction. Every stone was carved in the quarry. There was no noise of stones being chiseled on the construction site. Every stone had to be done or to be molded right in the, in the quarry place. And then after that, when it came to the site, then it was fitted right in its appropriate place. And that's what happens with you and me. When God came for you and when he came for me, we were in different things. We had interacted with different aspects of life. But God made sure that as he reached out to you in whichever way. Some of us it had to take a whole crusade. You know a whole crusade and you are the only one who responds. But it was you God was targeting. And you may not see that as 
how, how important you are, but that is what it means for God to reach out to some of us. For me, I'm talking about myself, it had to take a rally for high schools to be brought together, about a thousand students, brought in one rally in an afternoon. I think I had so many sins, brothers and sisters. It had to take the prayers of these very many brothers and sisters for me as I came to this, and actually for me to come to this particular place, I was in a way conned. Because this, this friend who invited me to join the rally did not tell me this was a Christian thing. For us, for me, I knew it was a gig. And we were going to have some celebration time. Our school had just bought a new bus. And I thought this was going to be a great time for us at least to enjoy the bus as we go to this gig. And we, it happened to be in a girl's school in a neighboring. So I really wanted to have this great time with my past. Only to come, and as we came, and go to this particular big hall where there was the assembly for, of the, the many Christians that were meeting here and find all of them were dancing and singing and I was not, for some reason, I didn't seem to listen to what was going on. For me, I thought it was the same secular songs that I was listening to and dancing to as I, as I moved in there. Because these guys were really dancing and they were really excited. And so I just moved in and you know, I always, when I went to such, such places, I always drew attention. And so you can imagine I removed my tie, tied it around my head from my whatever, and, and removed my, my jacket, put it around my, my waist, and I was dancing, and I was dancing, dancing my way to the front because I really wanted the attention of these guys to know that I have also arrived. Not knowing that this is a Christian rally, not, a, not a, those things that I, I was used to. And brothers and sisters, that was a very interesting day. Because for some strange reason, that song then suddenly stopped. And it stopped when I was doing my thing from the front here. And you know, I'm looking at now, because everybody now was being told to sit down. And I'm looking at where I was going to go back to sit where my friends were. It was really far, and I didn't know what to do. But anyway... I really tried my way and made sure I didn't sit in front because by that time, sense was arriving that this is actually a Christian meeting. Because the guy said, praise the Lord, praise him again. And I said, oh, oh, I'm done here. <laughs> but anyway, finally, I found my seat somewhere right in the middle there. But wait until this man of God came and started dividing the word of God. And he divided it equally among the boys and girls. The form twos and form threes and form fours. You know, I know you, you call them grade, grade one and grade two and whatever else. As we call them that in our, in our country. And this man was dividing the word of God equally among, among everybody. And then he went on engaging the gear after gear. Saying the Bible says all souls are mine to judge. The soul that sinned will surely die. And as he was doing this, this man was preaching with a very harsh tone and with, with, with the finger pointing. And for some strange reason as he continued preaching, his finger always would turn. You know the way you, you, you are pointing in thousands of students gathered and he's pointing at the finger always landed. The Bible says all souls are mine to judge but the soul that sinned will surely die and the finger would prick me. I would, I would sense the finger pricking me right through as he pointed my way. And I listened to that. I said what have I come into? And then this message before too long started becoming so personal. The guy seemed to know my life. 
He was just bringing it out the way it is. They said, what am I going to do here? Who told this man about me? Anyway, then he made the altar call. And in my foolishness, I knew this one nobody can, can withstand. Everybody's going forward. And I just had like, there were so many feet moving forward. Because he said, come. This is your day. The Bible says today if you hear the voice and harden your heart. And that thing pricked me. It pricked. So I had everybody going forward. So I went. Because I knew now that he has, he's been pointing at me. If I don't, he will embarrass me. It will be a great shame. So when he said come, I just stood and came. And you can imagine by that time I've already removed my tie. I've tried to organize myself in a way that uh, finally I made my way there. And uh, thinking that we were so many. Sisters and brothers, let me tell you, it turned out after he had finished his prayer and said, we are thanking God that this afternoon, this lovely young man has made his decision to love Jesus. I couldn't believe it that I was the only one. Then he made the greatest blunder and told me, now turn and look at the congregation. Let's give a hand clap to Jesus for this individual. Man, that's how sinful I was. It had to take those many people for one soul myself to get saved. 1985. Up to this day, sisters and brothers, I have never, never looked back. I know how they gave me several days. They told me, you will just give you a week. This one, because they knew my life. I was something else, brothers and sisters. If you had the other day, I told you I had an angle, academic angle. When I'm walking, I had an angle. You know, the way you walk and you are, it's like you are on the springs. I don't know whether you've seen some young people. That's, the, that's my kind of world. But God, in so my foolishness, came and saved me and brought me to himself. And now I'm part of the body. I'm part of the building, my sisters and my brothers. It's not willingly, but he did it because he knew what he was saving me from. I look back and see how many young people that were in my day who have gone to the ground because they never... Uh, changed their lives and I just thank God that he had mercy on me. I don't know what it was like for you. Maybe for some of you it was just you only needed one individual to come and talk to you nicely. And out of that talk you converted. And many other things that were used in circumstances. But God in his own mercy he makes sure that he gets us from whichever quarry we are. Makes sure that we are all chiseled out and all organized and then he carries us to the construction site and places us on the building so that we can be able to fit in very, very clearly. That is why, my sisters and my brothers, God is calling us today to take our position and realize that if your part as a living stone is not in place, you and I are messing up the construction work of God. And so there are three, about four things that I want us to look at as we look at this building analogy as we draw towards a conclusion. Talking about how does the analogy of the building help us to understand how we function as the body of Christ. Number one, what critically comes out as we talk about living stones of who individually we are used in making this building the temple of God's dwelling talks to us about the unity of the building. The unity of the building. Herein in Ephesians chapter 2, 
Paul has moved, as we said, from the concept of citizenship, the concept of the family, and now talk about the concept of the building. And this building is helping us to understand that you and I is so, are so important. And as we are building on the foundation of the apostles, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, you are so important that your space cannot be filled by any other. God has already placed you on the building. And your work and my work is therefore to be able to supply strength in the body. This building that we see right now, you may not know it, but if you go right inside, if you go back to when it was started, when it was constructed, you will notice that there were little pieces, little pieces that came together that then finally made this hall. And that is exactly where you and I are. So this big hall, this unity that we see in the building, it is because the individual stones, the individual uh, uh, building blocks are, have come together, fitted together, and they have been able to bring what we are looking at today. This is talking about intimacy. This is talking about a closer relationship. So close, whereas you thought the family brings the closeness and the intimacy, let me show you that the family is not as close as a building and the building blocks. I know here we have families. Some of the members of your families are not here. They are, they are miles and miles away. But that does not disunite you as a family. You still operate as a family. You are members of that one family. But one of you is that side, the other one is that side. But there is no intimacy. There is no closeness. The brick, therefore, breaks that and it brings us to that place of realizing that for us to function as the body of Christ, you and I must be closely knitted together so that we are seeing one hall, one big hall, and not one that side, the other that side, and on and on. Yes, it is true, as local churches, we may be apart from each other. There are churches that are going on in Australia. There are churches that are going on in, in Philadelphia. There are churches that are going on in Sweden. They are not linked up with us. But our identifying ourselves as a local church and functioning together as a local church, therefore, causes us to bring out this, but as we meet together, God has his unique ways of making sure that every individual local church that is meeting everywhere on the globe, they are knit together as one body that belongs to him, one building that belongs to him, talking about unity. Secondly, this whole thing about the building, the concept of the building as a dwelling place for God, brings for us the, the concept of blueprint. There is no way you'll put up a building like this without a blueprint. A building like this without, uh, what do you call those, the sketches that the architects use before they can know where will the room go, where will, what, where, where will be the stairs, uh, the staircase, where, to, where, where will be the doors, where will be the windows. You have to have a blueprint, you have to have a, a, a sketch that then helps you to, for you to come up together and establish a building like this. What does that tell us about our lives even as believers? Our blueprint, brothers and sisters, I know you knew I was going to say this, but this is our blueprint, the word of God. 
And it is this word that informs us how we can fit together in this building. And if we depart from this word, then this building will not be neatly fitted together. And that's why you'll find this local church here that is centered around this word of God that is the blueprint. And that other local church in other place and that other place, but they are all focused on the word of God. We therefore become the semblance of God in those little places, but all of us knitted together with one blueprint, the word of God. If you remember, God was very categorical when he was talking to Joshua. He told Joshua, for you to function in my service as a building of God, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do everything as it is written. And when you do that, then you will make your ways prosperous and you will have good success. For you, my brother, and for me, my sister, if we are going, I mean, for you, my sister, and for me, my, for, for me over here, if we are going to manage it, the blueprint, the closeness we are to the blueprint, the closeness we are in following everything that has been written here, the more we will find ourselves fitting in the building of God. Have you ever wondered why sometimes we battle a lot to fit in the fellowship of believers, to fit in the church of Jesus Christ. But when you go right into our lives, you will notice that we are not as close to the word of God because the word of God has some principles that tell us how we can relate one with the other and how we can be able to function together. And like if you remember what the analogy we used about the porcupines, where it is true, the word of God brings it out that, that the heart of man is desperately wicked. It's only God that can understand it. And you're asking then, how can two dwell together in such a kind of a way? But God tells us that those porcupines can be able to, to benefit together if they esteem the warmth much more than the spikes that are coming from the edges because that's how they are created. And that is you and me. But how will that be? It will be when we follow the instruction of the word of God. Because in the instruction of the word of God, you'll hear such principles like submission, considering one another better than yourself, loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, those are principles that are coming from the word of God that are helping us to notice that when you do that, then your brick and my brick can actually stay together and we can be able to build the church until we are able to function as a dwelling place of God. But how does that work? It works when we are paying attention to the blueprint, paying attention to the word of God. And remember what he says also in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 9. He says that if any man will preach another gospel from the one that we have received, if any other person, I mean, if anybody comes and speaks something outside this, that person is eternally accursed. In fact, later when you go to Revelation, he says anybody adding to the things that have been written in here, all the plagues that have been written in this book will be on their lives. So that therefore tells us there should be no addition to what has been written. What has been written and has been canonized and sealed, it has to remain the way it is. Go back to the story of the building of Solomon's temple. And you will get to know that Solomon was also given a blueprint that he needed to use. 
He was told how the dimensions of literally every side that was going to make up this particular temple. And that's what this, that is the blueprint that he was using so that even when they were chiseling the stones down in the quarry, they knew which size they are, that is needed at the temple site. And so they brought exactly what was needed, and that is what was fitted in. And when they needed a bigger one, they would bring it all along until finally they established. But the blueprint therefore becomes critical. For you and me, my brothers and my sisters, the Bible says, how can a young man keep themselves pure? And it's not just a young man. How can a believer, a Christian, keep their ways pure? It is by guarding it according to the word of God. Then the psalmist says, thy word, O God, have I kept in my heart that I might not sin against you. Then the famous one, Psalm 1, that talks about a blessed man. That blessed man is talking about one who is able to fit on the temple, in the building that is being established. The one who does not sit on the seat of the this, this, this scornful, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor walk in the way of the scornful. That is the guy who will, uh, uh, will be able, but, uh, sorry, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. That is the individual who will be able to, be, to stand in the presence of God. Thirdly, the building is an ongoing work. It is an ongoing work. And you need to know when it started. It started over 2,000 years ago when Christ went to the cross and reconciled us through his cross and started the building work. And this building, the foundation has already been laid, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, but the building construction is ongoing. It is a work in progress. Why? Because we have so many other stones that are needed, needed at the quarry, uh, sorry, that, that, that are needed from the quarry that needs to come to the construction site. And it's until every single one of them comes to the construction site and gets fitted in the building, that the building will be established as Christ finally comes. Because he's coming when he knows that he has made justice. Every single person has been given an opportunity that you are not using the quarry in which you found yourself as a reason for you not being part of the building. He gives you an opportunity at whatever quarry you are so that you can yield to him. And as you are yielding to him, then you are brought to the construction site and you are able to be used. So the building work is ongoing. So is it with your individual life? And my individual life. We are all work in progress, my sisters and my brothers. So when you see some, some crude edges of myself, just to show you the reality of what scripture says about me. I'm not perfect. I am trusting God that day by day as the Lord continues with his work, he will perfect me and make me into what he desires of me. Lastly, this building con uh, work has the concept that Jesus Christ must remain the chief cornerstone. If you remove Christ from his place, sisters and brothers, you are building nothing. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord watches over a city, those that watch stay awake but in vain. He says it is in vain for you to rise up early, to sleep late, to eat the bread of sorrows, because God gives sleep to his beloved. It is God who is in the construction business. He is the one who is at the cornerstone. And he must be given 
his rightful place as the support, as the orienter, as the unifier of the body. And you can agree with me, without Christ, there is no way we can be able to function together. Lastly, so that we finish, we must keep in mind this building that has been established, what is its function? Because there is no, no building all over um, in our human life here that is established that doesn't have a function. And in fact, you'll notice that every building takes the shape of the function that they will be able to, to perform. There are buildings that are built specifically as factories or as go-downs or as warehouses or as living quarters. Every building takes the form of the function that it is going to, to play. So is it with the building of God. What is the function of this building that God is establishing? I'll finish with that and then we go. If we miss out on that, that function, sisters and brothers, this can become, and I've seen it, at least here in Canada you've seen it, in Shebrook, I, had, I, had, I walked to some place when, where we were staying, and I was so surprised to see how people, human beings, have the audacity of turning churches into very interesting places. And the sad thing, the particular place, I don't know whether any of you have been Shebrook. There is a place, uh, I've not seen many of the other churches here that have been turned into something else, but at least there I traveled quite a bit and I was surprised. There is this big, humongous uh, edifice of a church that was established, but because, of course, you know, when the Catholic Church could not continue to sustain it, it was sold out. And do you know who bought it? A guy who is running a casino, a bar, uh, when I say a bar, I mean a place where they sell liquor and all that. But I know here it means something different. Back home, a bar means a place where they sell, sell liquor and those other intoxications. And where they do discotheques. So this is the place where they do discotheques. They do all that. So you need to see a big cross on top. Because they could, it is so magnificent. And in fact, it's so attractive. In fact, it's almost like a landmark in the place. They, they call the place, oh my God, the OMG. That is the name of the place. They turned it from a church to OMG. That is, and they, they name, they, and you know, you look at that, that looks like a mockery. And outside, the statue of Mary, which was there, has been really messed up. They did not remove the female figure there, but they tried to, 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 to turn it around to look like some seductive figure. Very, very derogatory. And I just say, oh God, what is this we are doing? And then, side by side, they have put this very big fierce bull with red horns on it. You need to see that place. It's so, in fact, I was saying, God giving me money, I would want to buy these people out and remove this stuff and just get the, the place so every building, every building, brothers and sisters, so that I don't get so carried on this, and I can see time is going, every building is constructed for the function for which it is going to serve. And if we miss out on that function, even here, my sisters and my brothers, this place can turn into anything else. Just by us missing out to know what is our function. Why do we exist? Why are we here? 
By missing out on that, this place can take a different. And Satan is looking for an opportunity to turn this in another place. But God forbid, and he will not do that. I pray, even as I continue to pray even for the Catholic churches that have been turned into all the other things, that God would be able to return and restore his lost glory for Canada so that the buildings that were established as dwelling places for God or as places where God's people worship can be restored back. So the question is, what is the function, therefore, of this special building that God is, inst- is constructing? Number one, This construction that God is making, this building that God is making is for worship. It is for worship. Brother, sister, you were meant for worship. You and I were meant for worship. And if you do not worship, you must be worshiping. I mean, if you are not worshiping God, you must be worshiping something else. That's why you find... For non-believers who are not anywhere close to God, they are either chasing after money and they get that money whichever way, whether it means killing individuals or, you know, through whichever means, they will be able to get that money. And they get, the more they get, the more they get. They hear, oh, there are millionaires, they want to be billionaires, they want to be trillionaires, and they are not, never able to get to the place of satisfaction because that therefore becomes their they are, they are object of worship, wealth, or power, or academia. Do you find somebody, the more you get your PhDs, and the more you add more, and the more you add more, and you never get satisfaction because you have refused to serve God, you have refused to worship God, and here you are busy worshiping something else. If we lose out to know the function for which we exist, we will find ourselves serving another function that was never meant for us. Jesus says he's looking for true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And these true worshipers are the living stones that he has established. May God help us. That's why I really appreciate the way we cherish worship. And please don't miss out on worship. Don't be coming after we are done with worship so that you maybe just listen to the word and go away. Come in. Interact. Ministry is about worship. It's about surrendering to God and just allowing God to know that you recognize him and you you acknowledge him as your Lord and your Savior. And when you talk about worship, it's not just words. Our lives, the whole lifestyle, the way we carry ourselves, the way we market ourselves, that should be worship. As people look at you, they glorify God. Secondly, this building that we are talking about is for the word, is for the teaching of the word of God. The word of God must be central if this building is to function. The word is so central in the church and in the body of Jesus Christ. So much so, so that when we lose out on the word, and we, by the way, it is very easy for us to drift from the word and from preaching the word and just start bringing some principles here. They will be looking very nice principles, human principles that are good and educative. And there are people who are using the church for that purpose. But you'll realize before too long, people will be coming, and because it's not the word of God, They will be listening to these things that are appealing to their itching ears, but they will not be able to be changed because anything else except the word of God cannot transform people. And if you transform only their mind and their soul remains the way it is, that is it. The way to transform a human individual is to transform his heart because the heart 
is the seat of the livelihood of an individual. And how do you get to the heart? You get to the heart by the word of God. The Bible says this word is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of bone and marrow. It gets right in there and it is able to bring transformation from inside out. So the function of the body, brothers and sisters, is the word. The word, the teaching of the word. And the word must remain central. Number three, fellowship. We'll get some time later to talk about these things on their own. But fellowship becomes so critical, so much so that if we do not fellowship, if we do not function as fellows in the same ship, I mean, fellowshipping in that particular sense of the word, then you, f- you notice that we then become just either as a social club or anything else, but it will not take us very far. Fellowship here gives us a good, I mean, I think the early church is what gives us a very good understanding when we talk about fellowship. The Bible says they were dwelling together in one accord. And they shared everything in common. There was no needy among them. And when you talk about this, it's not so much the physical needs. It was the issue of just being support one for another and making sure that you uphold one another. And through that kind of communion, these brothers and sisters grew. In fact, you will notice for the early church's growth, most of it was because of the magnet that tied together the brethren. The magnet that made the brethren, made their, their oneness together that came through fellowship that was so attractive that everybody wanted to come and identify with them. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when you even don't know what is going on in a place, as long as you see people just all of them piling to one particular place and they seem to be really having some, a lot of interest in that particular place. You, even when you are just walking, you want to go there and see what is it that they are doing. That's what happened with the early church. These guys were sold out to God, to his word, and to fellowship, to prayer, and to the ministry of the word. And as they did that and fellowshipping together, that attracted very many people who came in because they also wanted to belong. The, third, the fourth function, sisters and brothers, which we must never sacrifice, is the function of reaching out to go and bring those other living stones that are in quarries, sharing the gospel with the lost so that they can come and also take their part in the building that is ongoing. Evangelism, therefore, becomes a very crucial function of the church. And these functions for us, especially when God calls us to go and evangelize, he's not asking us to become something different. He's just asking us to use our natural relationships, reach out to our friends, reach out to our colleagues, and invite them to come. And as they come, even if they're not coming to church, just by inviting them to have a personal relationship with Christ, then you are drawing them from the quarry, and they are coming to join the building construction. Lastly, The function of the building that we are talking about here is holy living, holiness. And the Bible says, without holiness, no one will see God. This is a function that I would say has been quite a challenge, mainly because when we talk about holiness, we want to imagine our own imageries of what holiness is. And you've seen us playing, humans can really be religious playing religion in every form to, sh- to, pur- to purport that they are being holy. 
We've had people on Sundays when you really can carry your Bible so close to the heart. And sometimes you want to imagine these guys are thinking by putting your, your, your Bible close to the heart, you are saying this word is going in by osmosis, you know, or by diffusion. You know, it's diffusion or osmosis, you know. So you, you find the word so carried so close to the heart with the understanding that that is how the word needs to relate with you. And that day you are so holy. You know, you've dressed yourself in your Sunday best. You're walking in such a way that you don't even want to step on an ant. If it is on your way, you make sure that that day you are respecting that that's also a creature of God. But after that, Monday and you are something else. No, that is not holiness, brothers and sisters. Holiness is simply being set apart so that the things that define the world are not the things that define a Christian. The things that define a Christian is the word of God. So that if God tells you this is the right thing for you, it doesn't matter what is the popular opinion out there. You will go by the word of God. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes or proceeds from the word of God. And do you know that it is the word of God, the intake of the word of God that purifies our thoughts, that purifies our minds, that purifies our souls, that purifies our bodies. The more you have of the word of God, you find that the word of God can never go in there and stay put. It will always keep provoking you. When you want, like say, to misappropriate, the way we, we, we like saying, instead of saying stealing, you say misappropriate. The word of God will poke you and tell you, no, what you are doing is wrong. When you want to do something that is normally popular out there, you will always find that word reminding you, no, this is not for you. Because that word, when it goes in there, it purifies us and brings us to this place where you and I can be able to connect with God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know our time is gone, so we'll stop it right there and ask that the Lord would help us, that we can esteem the word. We esteem fellowship. We esteem evangelism. We esteem holiness. We esteem, uh, uh, what was the first one? Uh, Worship. Worship must be at the core for the function, for the body to function the way God intended of it. Thank you so much. Shall we just bow down even as we pray? Hallelujah.